0: Matthew Leckie puts Australia into the quarterfinals. That is a magnificent goal by Bill. Oh man,
1: Ryan, wow! keeping it out of the top corner like Superman.
0: Hello and welcome to the Socceroos podcast, where we go one-on-one with your favourite players to keep you connected with the Socceroos. My name is Michael Pudderflamme. On this episode, we chat with Socceroo cap number 568, Jackson Irvine. After spending 10 months without playing a game of football, Jackson recently signed with Scottish Premiership side Hibernian, where he's already made an impact alongside fellow Socceroos teammate Martin Boyle. But Jackson's journey this past year hasn't been without enormous challenges. The 27-year-old takes us through how he dealt with the mental and physical tasks of keeping himself fit while searching for a new club in a COVID world. He also chats Socceroos, training with Harry Kuehl, his Simpsons tattoo that went viral overnight, and much more. This podcast was recorded prior to his two assists against Dundee United. So, without further ado, here's the full chat with Jackson. All right, Jackson, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Firstly, how is everything going with you, and how has life been settling in at Hibs?
1: Yeah, I've been welcome back to the... With the uh, into the football world with the roller coaster of emotions that comes with it. Um, you know, obviously over the moon to be back involved in football on the day to day level and, um, you know, playing for a great club like Hibbs and back in a country in a league that I know so well. Um, yeah, there's so much that, that's been amazing about this first kind of 10 days, two weeks. But, you know, then of course there's the, the roller coaster of uh, losing a cup semi final yesterday. Which was unbelievably disappointing, and um, but from a personal point of view, it's just yeah fantastic to be back involved and, and playing, and um, you know I wasn't probably expecting to be as involved in these first two games as of you know because I've only been in the door, if, um, you know I've probably only done, done five or six training sessions, but uh, but for myself, yeah it's just I'm, I'm feeling great and fit and strong and um, you know mentally just in a really good place, knowing that I'm that I'm back involved in football.
0: Yeah, able to talk through what you know this 10 12 day period has been like in terms of whether it's been yeah as you mentioned maybe a bit of a roller coaster um for you know for everyone who <laughs> doesn't get the experience of joining a new club and having to get used to all of that but also being thrown to trainings and games
1: yeah you know it's 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 bizarre um it's always uh you know when when you first go in somewhere it's Usually, every time I've joined a club, it's been under pre-season circumstances, you have a bit of time to build in, get to know the players and um, the way they play and everything. But, you know, this was a totally different experience for me coming in in a January window where season's halfway through and, um, you know, you've got a settled group of players and uh, on the day-to-day and um, obviously during the COVID world as well with the restrictions in place and the kind of ways that that changes how you operate within a football club on the day-to-day as well, which I hadn't really experienced as, you know, I haven't played since the first lockdown. So, um, yeah, there was there's just been so much to, to take in. Um, I came in did my medical on the Monday, um, you know, went out with the boys and did a little bit on the Tuesday um, and then trained Thursday, Friday, and then I went straight into the team for the Saturday against um, my old club, uh, one of my old clubs, Kilmarnock, and um, managed to get, um, again, I wasn't probably expecting to start um having not played in 10 months and only done, you know, two or three training sessions. But um I had a good chat with the manager and um, you know, obviously having signed just a short term deal to the end of the season, the biggest thing for me was is getting the minutes in and you know, you can train and as much as you want and try and get your fitness up that way. But um the most important thing for me was getting the minutes under my belt and that's what's gonna get me up to speed quicker than anything and uh, you know, I got 75 minutes in and, and managed to get a positive result, and yeah, it was the best possible start. And then on the flip side, you build into into this week, you know, the game just gone, and uh, you know, obviously, again, I've um, got two or three training sessions in during the week, and then straight into a cup semi final at Hamden, and you know, a massive occasion for the club, which unfortunately just didn't quite swing our way. Um, so yeah, it's been that's been the roller coaster of it all, dealing with, um, you know, obviously. Yeah, you know, you're getting put in a, in a new, you know, you're getting put in new accommodation and things, and you're trying to sort your life out all amongst this time where you're, uh, your personal life were all amongst this time where you really just want to settle in and think about your football. So um, there's challenges to be faced, but at the end of the day, it's the over overriding emotion is just, yeah, happiness and joy to be back involved and doing what I love on the day to day.
0: And I guess on, on getting that feeling back and getting back onto the pitch, how, how long before actually making your debut did you get an inkling or know that you were going to be starting?
1: Uh, probably on, it was on the Friday morning the day before um, the, the manager pulled me in, um, in his office and we had a you know a really good chat just about yeah about the situation and about how the best way to handle my situation is you know sometimes football's a funny one and um you know when it comes to modern sports science and medical staff and um you know there's recommended ways to get players back involved after long um, being out for a while whether it be through injury or just not playing but um I think there's got to be an element of of knowing your own body and knowing what you're going to be capable of putting into it and um I've always been you know had a good good natural baseline of fitness I suppose and I felt that the last thing I was missing was was the match minutes. And, um, you know, he said, he asked me how I feel about going in from the start and um, and, I, and I was all for it. I think sometimes it's even better to play from a start where you can build and feel your way into a game rather than sometimes you come on as a substitute and the game's moving so quick and it's already in full flow and you're, you're kind of a little bit off the pace because you haven't played and all of a sudden the game just passes you by completely. Whereas from the start of the game, I feel like you have a chance to build into it and that's definitely the way it went. And um, yeah, so it, it went as well as it could have gone You know, for, for uh, you know, as I say, two or three training sessions having not played in 10 months. Um, yeah, I was absolutely delighted to get you know, 70, 75 five minutes under the belt.
0: I mean, it sounds pretty amazing to, to everyone looking in, thinking that yeah, you can sign for a club in just a couple of days after not playing for 10 months um to be starting but I'm sure there's a lot more behind that in terms of keeping yourself fit in the training that you went under in those 10, ten months um, be able to kind of kind of give a little bit of a summary of how you were able to keep yourself so match ready and fit
1: yeah uh, I had great support and great help from um in particular you know in particular from um you know Andrew Clark and the, uh with the Socceroos and he was always giving me programs and Um, individual based um, yeah strength and conditioning that I could do from home as well and to keep myself as I say have that baseline ready to go for when you do step into a club to be able to build up from that base and also um, you know a friend of mine Steve Barrett who works with you know I'd I'd be I couldn't not say their names because those two guys were I I wouldn't have been able to do it without them these few months it was so difficult obviously having to not even being able to go in to train with clubs because of COVID protocols and not being able to be involved in team football in a day to day. Cause naturally if you've been out the game for a while, you know, you've got enough contacts within the game where you'd be able to go into a club and, you know, just to train and keep fit. Um, which fortunately in December I was able to do with Harry Kuehl and, and Oldham for again, and a massive thank you to them for, um, you know, i got a, maybe, you know, ten eight eight to 10 training sessions in with those guys as well. And, um, but yeah, just that individual, that um, routine of getting up and going to you know a public park or you know just on on your own on the day to day became yeah very mentally challenging and um, you know dealing with everything that was going on with the other side of things and but without the support from those guys and, and giving me the the information and and the data that I needed to be able to keep myself at that level, I definitely wouldn't have been able to come into a club and be ready to go after, as you say, three or four days.
0: And it's amazing because football is such a team sport. You know, you spend all this time in training just playing with other guys. And as you said, in any other circumstance, when there wasn't wasn't COVID happening, you'd be able to go and train with other teams or train with other people. So like what percentage of the time were you actually getting to play (laughs) against people or with people compared to just, having to train on your own?
1: Like basically zero, you know, um, it was just me and a ball and, you know, a few cones in the park every day. Like that was, that was my route. That was the way it had to be. That's obviously, um, yeah, it's the way of the world. And, um, I had to, I had to just adapt and, um, you know, the footballers, I think we thrive in under routine sometimes. Um, you know, it gives us that, um, I don't know that platform to be able to just focus on the physical aspect of the game rather than having to, to, to deal with the other things. So to have the program laid out for me and not have to get up in the morning and think, all right, what am I going to do today? How am I going to, how am I going to keep myself going? You know, in that sense, I had exactly what I needed to do. Um, and that, that was what kept me going. And, uh, yeah, of course there's days where, you know, you, yeah, I was. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sure a couple of you might have seen stories that you know I was running in the park a couple of days, and there's people walking dogs, and dogs are running in and running away with my ball and knocking over my cones. And you're standing there with your hands on your head, like you just can't believe it. This is this is what this is where you're at in your career at this point. But you know the world's become a, a bizarre place, and I'm sure there's people in far worse situations than that. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I couldn't quite believe how the situations I found myself in and, um, but yeah, without support of those people, again, I'll just come back to that. They were the, that's the main reason I've been able to, um, get myself, um, up to sharpness as quick as I have.
0: It's a bad cliche, but they say, obviously, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Was it, what was this experience like for you? Was it something very difficult that's, you know, giving you a new outlook or giving you something else to help you improve your game?
1: Yeah I think so. Um, I think for myself um, it's it probably just really hits home again how how lucky we are I guess like I don't think I've ever been one to take football for granted I've always been very aware of of how fortunate we are and and especially just to do what you, you know what you love so much and um, and I think from another sense I've been quite fortunate in my career to not have sustained any really long-term injuries and it's essentially that's kind of the period away from a football team is that's kind of what it what it felt like and then you stepping back into the group um, but yeah, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot from it it's definitely made me a lot um, a lot stronger mentally I suppose um, in, in, in certain aspects of my game I've always felt like that's somewhere some part of my game that I've always been uh, strong with anyway, but but yeah, it's it, it is quite difficult to put into words now when I look back. As I, as I say, I've only been back involved with Hibs for less than two weeks, and if I've already forgotten, almost moved on from that period of my life, it, it's felt like it, I've I've managed to just put put it behind myself and and throw myself into being with this team and this club and and, and trying to help, um, you know. Have, have success here in, in what, you know, is short-term to begin with, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. And uh, it's an opportunity for me to just be back doing what I love. And, yeah, that's that's been the way I've tried to approach it. It's
0: a small silver lining, but you mentioned before getting the opportunity to train with Harry Kuehl during this period. Um, yeah. I think I remember he might be one of, your, one of the soccerers he you looked up to growing up. So, you know, what was that experience like, especially training with someone that you looked up to?
1: yeah really bizarre kind of one of those strange moments within football that you have sometimes where the kind of glass ceiling shatters and you know you're uh, um, you, you kind of end up face to face with people with people that you know felt like they were on a on a different planet to you at one point you know I, I met Harry when I was about 11 at like a fan kind of thing I've got like a photo with him and stuff and you know it was it was all all of our you know, one of our our heroes. Everyone of probably my generation. Um, just you know, because of the level he played at, he's you know probably our most decorated domestic player, I suppose. You know, obviously being a Champions League winner and the level he played, the level he played at, and um, yeah, and but he was he's been fantastic with me. Just in over these few over those few weeks, he was so welcoming and and made um transitioning back into being with a group really really comfortable and easy as i say under difficult circumstances with um the the way of the world and the way clubs have to approach these things and um it was very just very generous of him to to let me come in and, and and train train with his group and you know they've they got a good result again yesterday and i've uh you know now i've got another team to not that i need any more football to watch in my life but i've got Another team to follow now as well, just uh after you know, you spend a bit of time with guys, and you know, you want to see them do well because again, even the group, the players were fantastic with me in the short time I was there.
0: So, did Harry reach out to you to see if you wanted to come train and just to add on to that, obviously, such a play, special player for the Socceroos and had that like that special quality that you know you can't really always describe. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that's the question did some of that come out, um, or could you kind of see some of that coming out during his training as a coach?
1: Yeah, um, I've, you know, again, I've, I've, I've never quite had never crossed paths with him on a personal level before this experience with him. So um, it was quite interesting that to speak with him on a personal level and then also work with him as a coach and see, um, you know, the way he operates in that environment as well, and um, the players, you know, unbelievably responsive. Um, to the way he coaches the team and, um, some really good footballers. And I, I really like the way he, that he sets up his sessions and, and sets up his team. And I know he's going to have good success and, um, you know, his, his work rate and dedication and enthusiasm every day was a appa- pat was so apparent and, um, and yeah, I, it was just a the perfect environment to go into so in that kind of atmosphere. Um, because you know, unfortunately, in football, it's not always like that. Um, and no, but definitely, that was the the kind of working environment you want to be going into. That's for sure. And um, and yeah, just as you say, from um, you can see, you know, elements of, of what he had as a player, and those um, aspects of his game that he wants to implement into a team environment as well.
0: Must have been a very special experience. Uh, so I guess. In amongst that, um, it'd be great if you're able to kind of just, I guess, outline those those months between leaving Hull in June and then eventually signing with Hibs, even if it's just kind of a, a timeline of events. or be being a bit of an extended period.
1: Yeah. Oh, listen. It was. Um, it felt like a bit Murphy's Law at one point. It just felt like every decision I made, kind of in, in a short space of time, just seemed to backfire. Um, So originally, when I first, when the kind of fallout happened with Hull, and um, that you know my contract expired at the end of June before the games restarted, um, I was told probably a couple of weeks before that that I wasn't wasn't going to be involved. So um, obviously, again with COVID protocols, I was I was pushed out of the group. So um, at that point already, I was kind of pushed into training on my own. Um, so it was at that point, this was kind of pre-Australia COVID. So my natural thought at that time was, well, I knew the A-League, um, the A-League teams had come back. I'd had a couple of conversations with a couple of uh, contacts back home. And my first thought was, I'll come back to Australia, um, you know, obviously go through the quarantine process, do all that. And then I'll be able to spend some time at home with my family um, and, you know, work with the team. Um, work with work with one of the A League teams to be able to um, you know keep myself moving, and then also it's a good you know being with your family and stuff's a good environment to kind of evaluate your future and, and see what you want to do next. So that was the natural kind of thought process, and that of course uh, you know I'm in my hotel quarantine in Melbourne, grinding through the 14 days, and uh, I think it was day eight was uh, was the outbreak it was the first kind of cases started to appear. In Melbourne and you know just uh, couldn't believe couldn't believe it in that sense that just you know you, you've, you've come you've flown home you know you, you're doing your quarantine and then by the time I, I was ready to come out I had to just come out and go straight to my mum's house and spend a few weeks in <laughs> at home and wasn't even able to go out and, and do anything in the end and I think by day eight there was the outbreak and I think by day 11 or 12 all the A-league teams had relocated up to New South Wales and Oh, it's just again just one of those moments like oh my god just couldn't get anything to drop for me um but yeah at that point then I just it was even though I I had to just kind of you know obey be a part of the lockdown in, in Melbourne and spend just be at home with my mom and dad and sister and my cousin and um it was it was great to just have that you know couple of weeks of I think I spent two or three weeks at home at that point and then I made the decision to come back to Europe um so yeah, that was kind of the initial first few weeks where uh, that was the, nap, the process of thinking was to come back, but that didn't quite pan out the way I was, I was hoping it would. And, and then from there, it, it was just coming back to the UK. And it's difficult to explain those few months because all through that time of training on my own every day and um, trying to keep yourself going through that, you're thinking that the, the phone call will come any day you know, yeah, the, the club, you know, the move you want, the club, will, the con- the contract offer will come. And so you are kind of constantly trying to be ready to go in, in a physical sense, but also in, in, in the aspect of your personal life and everything else that goes on with that. Um, so, you know, you never, re- I was never really like settled into it, I guess, because you're always just kind of, it feels like that move is just a day away or a couple of days away or, you know one conversation away and it just never it just seemed to just never um materialize and you know obviously then you're dealing with the disappointment of things not coming through the uh, coming through the way that you wanted and also then trying to translate that into physical training um yeah it's so that was kind of the way it operated so i found i was back in hull um throughout that the rest of that period until um I came up here so uh yeah it was a, it was a, it's been a bizarre experience but um i'm one i'm, I'm glad to put behind me and, and move on into into you know the future of what i'm going to do next
0: sounds like a pretty important lesson that i guess all aspiring footballers can have right like it can be such a such a difficult um i guess sport and industry at times but you, you know, you got to keep on, you gotta keep on plugging away. And if you stop plugging away, then that's when you can put yourself in hot water.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose, in the, I don't think in any other, I know the COVID world is, is definitely affected. As I say, it's affected industries far worse than it's affected the football industry. Like obviously you got to keep that grand, the bigger perspective of the way this has affected people's lives and, Families and and everything along the way. So I've got no, um, you know, I'm under no illusions that, that it's far. It's been far worse for a lot of people. But you know, you can only really experience your own set of circumstances, I guess. And um, you know, in no other time in football, I guess, would a you know 150 game starting international midfielder find can be left in a situation without a club for six or seven, you know, nearly six or seven months. Um, that's just that's just the way that the, the the situation that the football world and, and I found I, I myself found myself in. But you d- you have to deal with a lot of uh, you know other mentally challenging aspects of you know like probably for the first time in my career i will starting to experience like self doubt and you know probably you know things like that that um, you know think you're thinking like why is it not happening what what's gone wrong like what what what's the issue. You know, why is it not coming these or everything falling together for me in that sense? But, and then that way, you need the support from your family and, and my partner. And they're the people that, you know, although, you know, the guys I spoke about before kept me uh, going physically without the support of my, my family and friends and people, the people and, and my partner. And in my personal life, you know, th- that was equally, if not more important to be able to maintain, you know, that to keep to be able to keep going every day because yeah at the end of the day you just want you just want to do your job and you, you know you want to do what you love and to go that amount of time without being able to do it you know and not by choice you know it's not through your own decision making process that's left you in that situation it's through outside circumstances so it can be difficult to, it was difficult to take at times but yeah again the, those people were the ones that, that kept me um kept me going
0: so going going from that situation to now being with Hibs, you know, what was it like um, in terms of getting connected with Hibs and how did it come about? And yeah, just overall, how happy you to be there now?
1: Yeah, listen, uh, it was a it was a, sh- a quick process. Um, fortunately for myself, I've uh, haven't played in Scotland for a long time. I've got um, you know pretty good reputation in in the league and and uh, contacts with the the people that I've, I've kind of knew within the club and uh, if it, it came together pretty quickly i had a couple of conversations with the manager and we very much felt like we were on the same page um, with, with what we wanted to achieve and and the way that we felt that I could contribute to what the club and and what he wants from from his team so um so yeah it, that it, it came together pretty quickly and for myself to, to, to come back to Scotland and, and, and uh, be involved with a, a club like this uh, is that's got, you know, big history and, um, you know, great facilities and everything that, that I could, that are, and, you know, pushing for European places. And unfortunately, you know, we're in a cup semi final which is, has passed us by, but, you know, big opportunities to be involved in big games and, and pushing to, for success, um, there was, uh, yeah, it wasn't really. A, it was a very easy decision for me.
0: Obviously, there's another socceru at Hibbs. I read that you said that he didn't play any any part in bringing you to Hibbs at all. Um, but how, you know, how nice is it linking up with another Aussie in Martin Boyle and? Was was he was he surprised to see you turn up one day? Or?
1: <laughs> I think I think it had been in the rumor mill for a couple of days before I turned up, so he was might have been expecting to see me. But I didn't have any conversations with Boyle before, um, before I went up the road. Surprisingly, but uh, as I say, because probably because I already knew enough about the club that I didn't need the inside inside knowledge. But it's great to be with another international teammate, um, here and but Boyle's a great character and and a top player and. Um, yeah, it's going to be. I've, I, I don't think I've, um, I haven't played many ga- um, domestic games alongside international teammates. So it's a great opportunity to build some, um, you know, some connections that you can use on, on, on and off the pitch in that, in that way.
0: Exactly. Hopefully it's going to be a great benefit for the soccerers, which I want to ask you about in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's been doing the rounds when you signed was a tattoo on your leg. Oh, yeah like, Simpsons character mo sila that that yeah part?
1: yeah 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 it's um I've I've it's probably my first experience of any kind of anything going viral uh, I suppose in that way and I have no idea how, how it kind of came about it wasn't even an even the photo that the guy used it was an old photo as well like I've had the tattoo for quite a while um but yeah it, it somehow found its way into the 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 tweets of a of, uh, one of the simpsons writers who, who then decided to um become a hip supporter um of, because he was so impressed by it so anyway it was it was all it was just a good laugh and um of most of my tattoos have some kind of pop culture reference in amongst them so um you know maybe i'll get david lynch to be a hips fan after he sees my twin peaks tattoo or something like that next we'll we'll see how we go
0: I mean the obvious question is is is, is what is why mo um yeah also I was good I was good yeah no I, I guess I guess why mo <laughs> why, why mo I wish,
1: I wish there was more of like a I don't know a really funny story behind it but my, the tattoo artist who does a lot of my does a lot of my work in Leeds um we were just we were I was in getting some work some some uh, some work done one day and and we were just, we always quoted The Simpsons. It was just, we, we both were big fans. And we were always laughing about it. And I'd always said I was really keen to get a, get a tattoo. And he had some spare time and I had some spare time. And it was like, go on then, let's just let's just pick one. We'll pick one that will be a laugh. And Mo's always been like one of my favorite characters. And that scene in particular, just, I don't know. We found, we just found it so funny in the moment. We were like, go on then. It'll be a good laugh, and we tried to place him so it would be just above my sock line, so it was like he was walking along my sh- along my shin, and I don't know. It's uh, as I say, it's I wish there was more to it than the fact that we just thought it was funny, and um, um, yeah, that that's really all there is to it. I wish I, I'm sure my mum will be horrified to hear that I make uh, such permanent decisions on uh, just for just for a bit of a laugh, but uh, but no, that's that's all there was to it.
0: So is there any any more tattoo content we should be keeping our eyes out for? And I guess is is that your favorite tattoo or is there another one that would top no one?
1: It's definitely one of my favorites in that sense. It's uh it's really funny. I do have some that are a bit more personal and a bit more uh, you know, um I don't know, have a bit more meaning to to me and, and to my family, but in terms of uh in terms of what I actually think is really, yeah, funny. That that would definitely probably be one of my favourites. But, um, but yeah, no, there will definitely be some more uh, pop culture references and and things going on in the next few years, I'm sure.
0: And among the Socceroos lads, who's who do you think's got the most impressive tattoo? Which one do you do you appreciate the most?
1: Well, it's a few guys with some some good ink, man. Me and, uh, me and jo- Josh Risden's probably got. Um some some of my favorite some of my favorite work that's for sure ryan williams has got some really really cool tattoos um ryan williams at portsmouth he's actually got a couple of tattoos from uh, some people in leeds as well from his time at barnsley um so we've seen a couple of the same people um, i think but um yeah no there's been there's some good ones out there there's some good ones um uh yeah but i'll say those two i think they've probably got my my favorite favorite work of that i've come across actually uh Ryan Grant's got a couple of got a couple of tiny little new ones. I don't know if he's added to them, but I only saw them at the end of what, 2019. Um, but he's got a couple of good ones as well. So yeah, some good ones out there, that's for sure.
0: So speaking of some Socceroos, hopefully March will see the return in almost for the first time in almost 18 months um, of against Kuwait yeah. and Nepal. Uh, I mean now now especially playing back football I mean how awesome would it be to be involved with some of those squads and um, I guess has there been a bit more chatter at the start of the year amongst amongst the boys?
1: Yeah I think for for me that's another element of my time away from football that kept me kept me going in a a sense was I'm probably the only player to ever benefit from a 10-month layoff and not because I didn't miss any international games I guess and um, you know because I suppose coming off the back of the Jordan game um, and you know the first four games of qualifiers I probably never felt better in a Socceroos shirt I probably never felt like it was um, yeah probably the strongest I'd felt in an internet in the international games and you know obviously I was playing I played a couple of different roles within the team and over the years and I felt like I'd really stab, I don't know, even though I've played 34 games for Australia now, I've, I've probably felt like this was, that was like my my time to be one of the main players within the group and, you know, with my age and everywhere, everything else that was coming along with that. And then to have that kind of stripped away from us for 18 months has been obviously incredibly disappointing, but understandable in the circumstances. I don't think anybody's or any complaints that, um, you know, in the sense that it's probably been the right thing from, you know, uh, health and safety point of view. Um, but you know, we just can't wait to get back involved. We're all, we're a really tight knit group and we love coming in and catching up. And it's, again, it's a unique environment, even in the international level, I speak with other guys that play internet, um, for the European countries and, you know, most of them come and play in the UK or play in here, but, you know, we have guys that come in from every corner of the world and everyone's always got great stories and, and, um, you know, there's always, something going on i guess and it's uh yeah uh, we're just look, really looking forward to being back involved and it's a big couple of years for us we're gonna have a lot of catch up a lot of games to catch up on and for myself now being back fit and playing you know and hoping to be back and pushing for the where i was at the end of 2019 and kind of carry on um in that same same run of form
0: So obviously hard to work on kind of the 10 chemistry and tactics when there's actually hasn't been a proper physical camp. So I guess in the meantime, how do you feel? uh, I guess the soccer squad has progressed individually at their clubs around the world.
1: Yeah, it's been you know great to see. if There was a few people on the move in the last uh, in the last twelve months, and um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just been. Obviously, I, I, I know a lot of the guys keep track of each other and. Um, you know, every weekend you sit on live score and you, you you scroll down through all the leagues and you keep track of everybody. But it's been great to see a number of the players really progressing and, and pushing on well. Um, you know I know James Jago has gone off to an amazing start in Greece, and um, you know he's, he's he's playing really well out there, and you know that's a that's that's great for us. And yeah, all along all along the along the squad, there's there's guys that are um, you yeah, know obviously guys are finding themselves in difficult circumstances as well um and and, but that's just natural that's just that's just football and it's not always as you say it's it's not always easy to be be playing I suppose week in week out at the level that that some of the guys are playing at but um you know it doesn't take away from their individual qualities and abilities that they can bring to that to the soccer setup. set up and um you know we know each other well enough now a lot of the core players that we we know how to get the best out of each other when 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 we link up and um, I'm sure, it will be, you know, again, it will be a sh- one of those three, four days and you'll be, and you'll be out there again together. And it'll have been, as you say, probably 18 months since we played together, but um, everyone will be really keen to be involved and, and get that chemistry going again, building into what's going to be an important couple of years.
0: Yeah. As you said, it's going to be going to be a massive couple of years leading into the 2022 world cup at the, at the end of, and of, end of that year. Um, and I guess, in between, then it's going to be the the remainder of the second round qualifiers. There's four more games against mm-hmm. Paul, Chinese Taipei, and Jordan. And then the third round of qualifying, which is um, you know going to be a great a great phase qualifying to go through again. I guess having having been at the 2018 World Cup and kind of being you know four games into the qualification for the next World Cup, um, you know how much of a, a carrot you know dangling at the end of the at the end of the <laughs> the, the line yeah. is that for is that for you being able to potentially play at another World Cup?
1: Yeah, that's you know, that's why we all that's the dream, I suppose, of any of any inter- player that's been fo- fortunate to play at international level is is to achieve that goal of playing at a World Cup. And um, for, for me now of having experienced it and and been there before, i am probably even more determined to get back to that level again and and um, you know a lot of the players will be feeling the same. Um, and yeah, it's 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 you know the pinnacle of, of of international football and if not football as a sport as a whole and um, that's yeah, and the process to get there is long and, and, and difficult and the the third round of third phase of qualifying um, last time round was, was obviously incredibly tough and having to go then through playoff system, the playoff, uh, to, to get there. And, you know, we'll be looking to, to do it the easy way, hopefully, in the in the, in the third phase um, after we, you know, hopefully, again, you are going to go through these last four games of qualifying. We've been off to a great start. And, you know, bar on anything dramatic, we'll, we'll find ourselves in that third phase. Um, and then, yeah, it's all about, getting consistency of performances because the games are going to come thick and fast. It's not going to be like a, a drawn out process because of these catch up. We're going to be playing in every two games, probably in every single window, um, which is, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic and everyone will be so keen to be a part of it. And um, yeah, that's all I can really say about that. It's just, yeah, you just want to get back to that level again. So
0: if you, if you look back in your soccer's career so far, are there a couple moments or one moment in particular that stands out as really your favourite moment on the pitch?
1: Yeah, there's probably a few. Um, you know, scoring my first goal um, in Sydney against the UAE in the, in the in that qualifying phase was was unbelievably That was incredible. Um, you know, on on home turf, and it was my you know my first start in in Australia, and um, yeah, everything that came along with that was just incredible. My first cap itself was was it obviously is, is a milestone and special in its own way, and then also um, probably you know appearing at the World Cup, you know coming off the bench in the first game of the, in the World Cup. They're probably three of the the standout moments for me, I guess. But I think probably the best feeling I've had in this, being involved in soccer is I did, I was I, I didn't I didn't actually play in the Honduras. I played in the first leg. I didn't play in the second leg, but. Um, the feeling at the end of the game against Honduras in the second leg was just, yeah, overwhelming emotions. Obviously, we, we'd been through that whole um, qualification drama, I suppose, of yeah, just missing out on automatic and then the drama against Syria, um, you know, Timmy's heroics at the end of extra time and then coming into, you know, going away to Honduras, one of the most difficult away away games I've ever had to play in in terms of you know the pitch, the atmosphere, everything it just was it was so challenging. And then to come back and fly all the way back to Sydney and play again three, four days later, it was just, um, yeah, it was. Just, and then to know that we'd kind of done it and we'd achieved what we'd set out to do all those months beforehand, and it felt like this, yeah, it felt never ending, I suppose, that process. And, um, that's been definitely the best feeling I've had in a, in a soccer whose jersey was just. Being with the with the team and enjoying that moment together of, you know, excitement, relief, everything that came with knowing that we'd finally got there.
0: If you think back to it, to a young Jackson who was starting out his his football career and dreaming of you know playing for his country one day, um, do you think that the a young gig would have believed that you would have achieved everything that you have? <sighs>
1: I honestly, you, you say, you know, I don't think, you know, you think to yourself, I don't, uh, I, it's hard to believe it is, it is a dream come true and everything that way. But I know my mentality from a young age was sick, totally not single minded. I had a total single focus of what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, of course, you, I don't know if deep down, you ever really doubt yourself as a kid in particular, because, you know, I don't know if you're self aware enough to even really understand that. But I just knew that that's what I wanted to do, and that's I was just so determined, and as I say, single-minded in my in my goal, and um, I suppose that's been one of the driving forces that's that's got me to where I am today, and um, probably if more than anything, that mentality has been what's driven me. You know, I've played alongside guys that we probably had far more ability than me, you know, at a younger age, and through youth team football and into this way, but um you know you you need more than that to, to get to the to get to the top level and for myself i think that that mentality has been been with me from a young age and um it's something that i never really even we i kind of laughed about with my parents sometimes in the sense that you know i was always the one pushing you know it was never it never came they never had to like i don't know drive me or motivate me or anything like that i just that's all i all i wanted and all i could see myself doing and um but yeah, I suppose there is always that element of just genuine shock and surprise. I think the closer, the older you get, and the closer you get to it, the further away it feels in ways, though, or the more difficult it feels like to get to, to get to that over that last hurdle. Um, but I'm just so yeah, so proud and um, to have been involved and achieved what I've done. But I'm mean, you know I'm not far from finished, and you know I'm, I feel like I'm coming into the prime of my career now. Um, and I feel like I've got so much more to give and so much more to learn. I never finish. I don't feel like I finished developing yet as a player. I feel like I'm constantly getting better and, and learning and, um, you know, working with top players and coaches at international level and domestically can just help every day. You know, there's always something there for you. It's, um, to And I, I think my time away from Port is another thing that you probably learn to that well, something that you you miss is, is that day to day being able to keep learning and, and growing because it's very difficult to do that on your own. You can only really do that in a team environment.
0: Hearing all that, I'm sure it's going to excite Socceroos fans who you know can't wait to see what what comes next for you in your career and and for yourself out on the pitch for Australia. Um, before you go, I've got one last question. Um, we shared on social media your your votes for the triple J top 100. So I just wanted to find out what did you, what did you make of, um, yeah, the, the top 100 and the top songs.
1: I think that's when, uh, you realize you've been away from home for 10, for 10, for what have I been away? 10 over 10 years now when, uh, yeah, I suppose because I, I don't listen to the station as much anymore, probably a little bit, uh, yeah, probably missed, missed the cut a little bit in terms of, of what's going to be on the list. But, for myself is I just picked 10 songs of my 10 favorite songs of the year and uh, unfortunately none of them I didn't see any of them creep in there I think uh, I think maybe one or two of the bands got in but none of the songs I chose so uh it's uh I'm, I just maybe maybe some Socceroos fans will go and have a listen to some of those some of those tunes anyway and and, and find a new band or a new DJ that they like so um that that's what maybe that's what I can take from that is maybe I've introduced some people to some new tunes because I don't think any of my votes got anywhere near the top hundred.
0: Oh, that's okay. I'm sure everyone will forgive you for that. But I guess (laughs) one final thing in terms of your connection with music. um, I mean, it's quite common to see all players around the world listening to some kind of music before they Mm -hmm. go into the change route for the game. Um, But from, you know, I'm sure from fans from seeing your accounts and seeing, you know, yourself playing guitar and, and um you know some of the the collections that you have um be able to kind of give a bit of an insight into your kind of connection with music and maybe how important it is for you to um have something else to focus on besides football sometimes
1: yeah for sure it's um no secret now that it's a big part of my big part of my life and always has been and um in every aspect of it in terms of you know you can as you say use it to motivate yourself going into football and the total opposite to switch off and, and, um, you know, escape from, from that part of your life as well, I guess. And I suppose for a lot of people, I'm sure. And the, one of the, the most things that ever people are missing the most in the world at the moment is live music. And I hope that sooner rather than later, we're all able to to go out and enjoy that again, because that will be, that will be a happy day for, for myself in particular. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure. And, but yeah, it's, it's, it plays a big part I- big role in my life and um it come you know the f- first thing I pack up when I came up to Edinburgh was you know put the guitar in its case and bring it up the road with me so um it's it's yeah it's always there and and uh it's it's a big influence in in everything I try and do I suppose is, is in terms of the way I approach things um yeah it's it's difficult to put into words the role that I suppose it's just a big part of my life in in every aspect.
0: Sure, it's, Edinburgh's a pretty picturesque place to just grab your guitar and sit outside the side in the street. It's a pretty pretty awesome place with the castle overlooking it as
1: well. Trust me, mate, you don't want to be outside here at the moment. It's about it's it's about minus four. Um, <laughs> I turned I think the second day I turned up for training and there was about a foot of snow and um and the you know the guys in the um, in the trucks, ploughing all the all the snow off the off half the pitch, so we could just, so we could get out there and train. And um, even in the north of England, that I probably had forgotten that how cold it can get up up in Scotland. So it's been again. That was that was like a uh, a real shock to the system coming back and being in, in, out here again. So so yeah, but yeah, may, maybe maybe in a couple of months I'll, I'll I'll go and sit outside again, but definitely not at the moment.
0: Oh, I feel bad. I won't tell you what the weather was like <laughs> today.
1: Oh, no. I was on FaceTime to my parents earlier and they were sitting outside and it was like, yeah, all right, then. Come on, rub it in.
0: All right, mate. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much for the, the chat and all the best with the next games and the next few months and hopefully, yeah, see you in the Socceroos camp soon.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Nice to speak to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Socceroos podcast with guest Jackson Irvine. Jackson's journey over the last year provides an important lesson for all kids who want to become professional footballers. No matter what the situation is, never give up and always believe in yourself. To learn more about Jackson and other Socceroos journeys, head to socceroos.com.au as well as the social channels for all the latest news and videos on the team. Tune in next time for the Socceroos podcast and let us know on social media if there's players and questions you want answered. Until then, goodbye. Matthew Leckie puts Australia into the quarterfinals. That is a magnificent goal by Owen Bill. Oh
1: Larry, Ryan, wow! Keeping it out of the top corner like Superman.